0: Hey, guys, before um, you turn to the text, which is uh, Psalm 3, um, I, I would love for you to see this, but you don't need to turn real quick. I just want to, it's just kind of an explanatory note concerning this Gigi thing that I've been telling you about for several weeks, this Growth in Grace Institute. Um, the, I'm referring to the second chapter of 1 John uh, in verses 12 through thirteen 12 through 14, where he mentions children, young men, and fathers. Uh, John apparently um, saw uh, three kind of levels of Christian maturation. Now, I I don't think that's uh, to be uh, dogmatized, uh, but but there there seems to be some uh, truth in, in levels of maturation. And so all of that to say... That's why I did this this way. That is, it's trimesters, It's level one, there's level two, there's level three. If you wanted to, you could call it uh, children, young men, and fathers. Or, but we didn't want to use that because it kind of precluded women. If I said fathers, it's, it's for women too. They, we, we all grow in uh, stages of maturation. So that's why we didn't use it. But that's, that's the, the, uh, the idea behind it of three levels, Three trimesters, one in the summer, one in the fall, and one in the winter. And they're outlined for you here. And it starts June 4th. If you're interested, we'll start with level one then. Now, uh, turn with me to the text, which is Psalm 3. It's brief, it's eight verses. I'm going to read the whole Psalm. So you follow as I read. Beginning at verse 1, this Psalm says this. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, this word, this, this, this stands, this endures forever. Guys, this is a great psalm. Um, I, I mean, really great psalm, and I'm hoping to use it in such a way today that um, I will make a happy day happier. <laughs> um, Included in this psalm are several wonderful principles, uh, some of which we'll get to and try to uh, discuss later on. But gang, um, you really can't appreciate and enjoy the psalm in all of its profundity until you understand something that is not in the psalm. Um, now, I say it's not in the psalm, um, and and it's not in those verses 1 through 8. Uh, it, it isn't in verses 1 through 8, but it is in the superscription, uh, the title. Did you see that above verse 1? Um, that though it isn't in the verses... Guys, it is in the Hebrew text. In fact, this is a Hebrew Bible. I've got it marked for you if you'd like to look. Um, If you were to look in the Hebrew text from which this is translated, what you would find is um, not eight verses. You would find nine. Nine verses in Psalm 3. Uh, and uh, verse 1 in the Hebrew text is that superscription, that title above verse 1. And what I'm suggesting is you're, you'll never appreciate, you'll never enjoy, it, it, it will never feed your soul until you understand that little superscription That's above it because that's the thing that gives you the occasion on which this psalm was written gang uh there's 150 psalms there's only about 10 of them that give you this give you a superscription like this and this is the first one this is the first time in the book of psalms that you are given the historical event out of which this psalm arose This psalm was written by David in a particular event in his life. And uh, that event, (laughs) and I'm saying you can't can't appreciate this psalm until you understand this. Here's the event. Look at it. Look at the superscription above verse 1. A psalm of David. When he fled from Absalom. His son. (laughs) David wants you to know the event that evoked this psalm. And you'll notice that David is the author. And um, before you read the psalm, David wanted you to know the period in his life out of which this psalm arose. And especially the lessons that he learned as a result of experiencing what he was experiencing. Now, do you see it, guys? Do you see the event? A psalm of David. You know who David is. Shepherd boy killed Goliath, king of Israel, first king of Israel, second king of Israel. And he wrote it on an occasion when he was running from his own son who wanted to kill him, Absalom. Guys, this is a psalm that is written by a parent whose son not only broke his heart, not not only did his son not turn out the way that, he had hoped. Um, Not only did she disappoint her parents, but in this instance, this son rebelled to the point that he wanted to kill his parents. And so Daddy, along with Mama, runs. He fled. He, he flees into the wilderness. Um, now, guys, I, I hope uh, that there's no mother here, nor, nor any father here, um, who has a child who wants to kill him or her. But David did. David, the guy that we, that we think so highly of, had a son that wanted to kill him. And I hope that there's nobody in here that uh, can relate to that, that is, having a child that wants to kill you. But I would bet that there are Dozens of parents here, especially mothers, whose hearts are breaking over things that their children are doing or not doing. Um, Their hearts are breaking over what their children have become and how they, as parents, are treated... Um, by their child or their children, especially uh, you mothers of adult children. Now, if that's you, this psalm is for you. Now, I want you to look at it. Gang, this is a desperate situation, Um, and I I guess the hardest part of it, in terms of the desperateness of the situation, is that it was really caused by David's sin. Um, you do know, don't you, uh, a little bit of the history of Israel? uh, What? What the situation was out of which this whole Absalom thing occurred? Do you know that? It was David's affair with Bathsheba. And you know, David goes on to kill Bathsheba's husband, or have him killed. Um, It's recorded for you in 2 Samuel 15, 16, 7, and 18. You can read it. But... um, A whole series of events are unleashed by David's affair with Bathsheba, including this one. Now, look at it with me. uh, Let me point a couple of things out. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? I emphasize many. Because do you notice the repetition of the word many? Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of myself. Uh, can, you, can you feel existentially what these parents are feeling? Many, many, they're all around me. They're everybody, everywhere. Now, really, guys, that's an understatement. When the many... Include your own children. Um, And the accusation that is being leveled at David is an accusation that goes straight to the heart of who David is. They are accusing him in verse 2 that he's not a saved man. No salvation for him in God. (laughs) Not that guy. Um, and, and you'll notice in verse 2 uh, that that dad and mom are being taunted. Um, many are saying, um, they're saying, my parents are so bad that they... fill in the blank uh, my parents are so bad in this instance they're lost they couldn't be Christians my, my parents are so bad that they are stupid now, that's not in here I'm just saying what, what is it that is the taunt that, that, that perhaps some children have used about their parents um my parents are, oh, here's a big one, abusive. I just want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that word is vastly overused and incredibly abused. The word abused is abused. But my parents are so bad that they're mean or they're, they're neglectful or they're embarrassing I don't know what the taunts that your children or our children have leveled at us. I I, I do know the specifics of the the taunts leveled at David. He's so bad that he couldn't possibly be saved. That's the essence of verse 2. Now gang, What do you think David felt in the midst of all this? I am running from my own son. What do you think he felt? It's hard to say. You know, he he doesn't tell us what's going on inside his little broken heart. But you think he was afraid? Probably. You think there was uh, a sense of shame or uh, a sense of guilt or uh, anxiety? You know, I don't know, but surely some of that. Um. Surely nobody is talking about oh that David was such a good person because everybody knows about what he did with Bathsheba. Oh David is such a great parent. <laughs> of course his son wants to kill him. Nobody would have been saying that. You know, what do you think David is feeling now? Because, you see, all of those things uh, that gave me a sense of control of my life, they're all gone. David is on the run. All of those things that I used to feel like I was in control of my environment, they're gone. Um, now, dear moms and dads, parents uh, whose kids, in some small way or maybe maybe large way, have broken your heart, I want you to watch and listen. I want you to see how David gets to the place where he says, in verse five, I lay down and I slept. (laughs) Um, I forget who said this. and I, I, I hate to quote people when I don't even know who I'm quoting, but um, uh, they said, um, when, your, when your soul's at rest with God, you can sleep in the mouth of a cannon. H- how, how did David get to the place in the midst of this horrible situation that he lay down and slept? David, David gives God the credit for a good night's sleep, And it all starts with a conjunction. Look at verse 3. But. And with that word but, guys, that that word is full of hope. Because it it introduces a solution. I want to read it to you. But you, O Lord are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Now, what does all that mean? What, what, let's kind of pick through that for a minute, and, um, uh, because the, the remedy is there. Um, first of all, you, O oh Lord, are a shield, look at it, all around me or about me. Gang, in this culture, there were two kinds of shields. There was a, a small one, which was kind of the size of a giant frisbee. It was round. And uh, in hand-to-hand combat, you use this to parry off the blows of your attacker. But then there was another kind of shield, and it was the, um, the size and shape of a small door and you you crouched in behind it and you hit i mean you you were protected from as you as you inched towards the the city gate that you were trying to uh, defeat while they were you know throwing things at you 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 crouched behind this 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 door this or this shield now that's the shield that is being mentioned in verse three so the idea is my safety my protection, even my refuge. Okay? Then he says, my glory. The thing in which I make my boast. My significance, my, my worth, my identity. I am a somebody because of uh, what? How do you answer that? I am a somebody because of, I'm a king. I am a somebody because I'm wealthy. I am a somebody because I'm, I have a degree of fame. But guys, in this setting, God has taken away all of that from David. <clears throat> because he's not a king anymore. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> um, all of those things are gone from His wealth is gone. His fame is gone. He's on the run. At best, he's a refugee. I am a somebody because of What? Because, ladies and gentlemen, may I say to you, most of the things that we fill in in that blank with are impermanent. Um, They're impermanent at best, and at worst, they're deceptive. We'll talk about that in in a second. But the last thing he says is that he is the lifter of my head. Now, gang, um, that's such a rich piece of imagery, and you're not going to understand. Well, you can understand it if you can find Genesis 40 real quick. But don't, you don't need to do that. Let me just tell you the story. Do you remember the story about Joseph? Joseph was the one sold down into, by his brothers into slavery. He went to Egypt. He's in prison because of Potiphar's wife and all that business. And while he's in prison, uh, Pharaoh sends his cupbearer and his baker into prison. While they're there, into prison, in prison, they have some dreams, um, and Joseph interprets those dreams. He interprets them correctly. The uh, uh, the baker is sent out to hang to be hanged, and the cupbearer is restored to his position. And listen to this language. This is Genesis forty thirteen. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. And will restore you to office. Guys, you hang your head when you are depressed. Back in my day, um, I mean really, this is the 60s or 70s. I forget who who sang this. It it went like this. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. You know, if you're you're bound to die, you're probably going to hang your head because you're depressed. Have you ever played on a sports team and you're behind and the coach goes up and down the bench and he says, get your head up. Get your head up. The idea is that What Pharaoh did for the cupbearer, restoring him to prominence, is what the Lord does for David. He is my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. He is is my refuge. He is my protection. He is my boast. My significance is found in him. I am a somebody because of of Yahweh. You see, ladies and gentlemen, all of those things, safety and protection and significance and and identity and, and prominence and all of those things, who is all that to David? Look at it. Look at verse 3. The Lord, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shield. Yahweh is my glory. Yahweh is the lifter of my head. And by the way, who is all, who, who is all those things to David now? Because apparently, this David, this man of God, uh, had made the same mistake that so many of us have. Parents, listen to me. This is where we erred. We, we made our children our shields and our glory and the lifter of our heads. Much of the friction between us and our children can be traced back to the fact that we made them way too important. now now, can I offer you just an opinion and I'm telling you it is only an opinion but here's my opinion it is awfully hard to avoid that mistake to avoid that trap especially for you mothers you carry them for nine months you give birth to them they're helpless they need you it brings out all of these maternal instincts but some somewhere along the way we put them in a place that was only it was supposed to only be occupied by god What we tried to do is that we tried to establish our worth through our performance, our parental performance. And when you do that, you will one day inevitably. be on the run hopefully not like this but you will be on the run guys um, the place in which we put our children was supposed to be occupied by God alone And when he is not there, he will spare no rod until we, his people, see that thou shalt have no other gods before me, including our children. And he does that, he spares no rod. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Oh, yeah, but you preachers, you always said you always try to say something about love, and you know. But, but let me explain why, why, why I say that, guys. God wants us to see, he wants us to learn what Augustine said that thou hast made us for thyself. And our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Gang, that vacuum that we have inside, that thing is God-shaped. It is not kid-shaped. God has made us for himself. And any of us who have ever had a child rebel against us. then you know just a little bit about what God feels because all of his children have rebelled against him too. And so that pain that you're in, that pain that we're in, you know what that is? That is God putting his finger on our idols. He is exposing our wrong identities, our God substitutes. And at the same time, he is drawing us to himself. And I say to you, my dear brother and sister in Christ, there is very little pain. that is bad as that pain. Um, If you'll notice in verses 7 and 8 in Psalm 3, David calls upon the Lord to save him as as God had done in the past. And if if you'll notice in verses 7 and 8, David's laser beam focus is now on Yahweh where it should have been all along. David understands that rescue is the Lord's to give or withhold, as he sees fit. But this much we must do as parents. We must come to the place, having repented of our sin. And by the way, that's what verse 4 is all about. I called upon you at the holy hill. The holy hill is where sacrifices are made, you know. Um, So David recognizes his sin, and having repented, what we must do is that we must come to the same place that David came, where we can say of Yahweh, Lord, you are my shield, you are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Gang, David is the real deal. I mean, he's a real believer. And those taunts of verse true are, are those taunts of verse two are untrue. But David got badly off track. And so do we. And we must repent like David repented. Gang, true grace can be shot at, but it cannot be shot through. This pain doesn't boot us out of the kingdom because we got off track as parents. It is grace that has put our souls into Christ where we are safe. And it is there that that soul sleeps. Not in a palace, but in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our pain. Gang, I, I trust that none of our children will come to the bitter end to which Absalom came. Remember the whole story? Absalom gets caught in the tree. By the, by, by, it, it, his hair catches him in a tree. And he dangled by his hair. And my friend, if you are one of the children of the story, not the parents, but you're the child, and, and, and you have, I, I want you to know that you have flawed parents. Yeah, we are all flawed parents. But what you are, your rebellion before those parents makes you Absalom-like. absalom like And your rebellion is reprehensible. It's unthinkable. But oh my dear parents, I can promise you this. The best thing that we as parents can do for our children is allow them to see that verse 3 is true of their mom and dad. Oh, kids, you are so important. But you are not of ultimate importance. Oh, kids, we so love you. But your mom and dad labor to make sure that Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, never be true of us. And you know what that says, don't you? Jesus says, Whoever loves son or daughter more than me He's not worthy of me. So many of us long to see our children come to know Jesus Christ as savior. Well, I've got a suggestion for you. Go live out before them. the stirring truth of verse three. And at night, my dear brother and sister in Christ, when your soul is overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and anxiety or heartache, say to your soul, quiet down, soul, because Yahweh is my shield. He's my boast and he is the lifter of my head. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, only Christians can say that. Part of the reason that our children so rebel against us is that they are rebelling against God. And one day, my young friend, you will need to say verse 3 too. But understand this. Before you ever say verse 3, you have got to yield and submit to Jesus Christ As the Savior and Lord of your life. One more observation and I'm done. Where was David when he wrote this? Gang, he wasn't sleeping in his own bed in the palace. He was surrounded by enemies. And in the midst of his pain, he says, I lay down, and I slept. (laughs) Because you see, verse 3 restores the equilibrium of the soul. And whatever are the specifics of your pain, this is a verse, verse 3, not just for Mother's Day. It's a lesson for all of life. by God's grace, might we learn it. Our Father, would you you make a happy day happier by reminding all of us parents that the thing that that we need the most is a a full-orbed understanding that the Lord, the Lord, he is our shield, he is our boast. He is the one who lifts our head. And so many of us got off track, Lord, and we have paid a price. But like David, we want to get back on track. And might our children see that the thing that is true of their mom and their dad is that we love our children. Our children are oh so important But they are not of ultimate importance. The thrice holy God is. Father, if you brought people here today who have not yet met that Savior, who are in the midst of their rebellion against God, show them that they are on a dead end. And what they need most, more than anything else, is a Savior. Open their eyes to see the beauty of our Savior, and we ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.